Welcome to the Seneca Show, and today we're going to be talking about a very serious and real topic, which is childhood trauma. I'm going to share my own experience and highlight a few memories of how I dealt with childhood trauma. And for those of you who don't know what childhood trauma is, childhood trauma is the experience of an event by a child that is emotionally painful or distressful, which often results in lasting mental and physical effects. Before sharing my own story, I do want to share with you a few statistics about childhood trauma. Did you know five children die every day from child abuse? Over 142,000 children receive foster care services. 490,000 victims are neglected. Over 115,000 victims are physically abused. Over 60,000 victims are sexually abused. And over 40,000 victims are psychologically maltreated. And believe it or not, I've experienced all of those that I just recently covered, except for, as you know, I haven't died or anything like that, but... Um, I've definitely felt like I came close to that. So I'm just going to go jump right into sharing um, what I dealt with as a child and dealing with child abuse. So the earliest memory I have as a child was being four years old. And me and my mom were just, you know, sitting in the living room. We were pretty much just chilling, watching TV. And out of nowhere, my mom just came and she just told me, you know, I don't want you anymore. And for a kid, I didn't know how to take that. I was just kind of looking at her kind of puzzle. And she just kind of looked at me and told me, well, you know, you know, get your stuff and get out. So me being a kid, I went down the hallway. I went into my bedroom and I opened the drawer and I just started pulling random stuff into a suitcase. And the suitcase was pretty much about the same size as me. But I managed to put a few things in there, put a few toys in there. I drug the suitcase back up the hallway and I saw my mom. She was standing at the front door. My mom pretty much just opened the front door and told me to get out. I took the suitcase and I pretty much dragged it down the sidewalk to the curb. And I was kind of just looking around to myself, trying to figure out what exactly was going to happen. Was somebody going to come pick me up and take me somewhere or or was she going to call me back? And like, was it just a part of some type of weird joke? And I just kept looking back. I remember just kept looking back at the at the window and I would see every once in a while. I see my mama kind of just peek out and just kind of went back to, I guess, minding her own business. And it kind of confused me and it kind of left me there kind of just outside alone, scared. And then finally she just opened the door and she called my name and um, I went back into the house. And that was the first time in my life I ever really felt any type of rejection come from my mom. I'm pretty sure people out there have dealt with rejection at some point in their life. And I feel like it, cuts different it, it cuts you deeper and it, and it feels different especially when you're dealing with um facing that type of rejection from a parent that wasn't that was just the start of the childhood trauma that i went through as a kid as the days went on it seemed like my mother became more angrier at me she started being more verbally abusive and um i can recall a time just being in a being in the kitchen with my mom and um, she just was yelling and she was cursing at me and all of a sudden plates go flying. They just go flying across the room and believe it or not, there was food on the plate and the plate hit the ground and she was like, you know what? That's your food. You need to pick it up, pick through the glass, eat it. And as a kid, you know what you're told to do, you do it. So I pretty much ate the food with the bed and pretty much. Didn't even think I didn't. And when I was so young, honestly, I wasn't even thinking, you know, I couldn't, you know, you can recall the differences between being right and wrong or a situation right and wrong. But I just felt like, OK, this is this is what she's telling me to do. I didn't 
at that time realized that, you know, what she did was very wrong. So time went on and my mother got pregnant with another kid. And we came from a background that was definitely not privileged at all. We were the poorest of the poorest. But at the same time, me being an adult now, I'm still grateful for at least having a roof over my head. And I'm always thankful for that. Even though my mom has treated me awful, she still provided a roof over our heads. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, but we moved into we moved to this small country town and pretty much it was a four room house. The roof of the house pretty much was it was a tin roof and it constantly leaked. Anytime it rained, we would have to put pots, bowls, anything to keep the floor from getting wet. There was also um, there was no running water. There was no bathroom. There was no kitchen sink, no, no central heat, no central air. None of that. We burned wood stove and we had AC or fans in the window during the summertime. One of my responsibilities, I had many chores growing up as a kid. And one of my responsibilities as a kid was pretty much um, going to the well and getting getting water just so we can have something to drink, to cook, and to uh, take a bath in. And I remember, it's, it's probably, to explain it, it's about the size of a football field from my house to actually going to the well to bring the water back and forth. And I was about six or seven at, at that time, definitely going back and forth. And it would take me about 30 to 45 minutes, typically be, just because the the size of the of the jugs or the buckets, they were heavy. And you, you can imagine a, a child carrying buckets of, of water at that age. You know, it's not something that they're just going to be able to hop up and do and get it done very quickly. My mother was one of those mothers that was obsessed with cleanliness, and she was very particular about how she wanted stuff. As you know, most parents are. They're very picky about how what you put your feet up on, what you're doing, how you're washing the dishes, what you're eating in the kitchen, all that good stuff. Except my mother had, I feel like my mother had a, a type of cleanliness that was more so on the side of OCD. And when you didn't meet her standard of what she thought was clean, she would definitely express herself accordingly and what I feel would be verbally abusive. There was one moment when there was an actual piece of lint on the floor and my mother, her way of disciplining me was pretty much standing on the back of my legs and just hitting me with the belt as if I was, you know, some kind of wild animal or a slave. And it didn't actually open wounds on my back, but it definitely left, uh, you know, whips or whip marks or bruises on my back. There was a lot of times that I pretty much spent in my room um, of crying and afraid, afraid to come out because, you know, when you deal with someone who's so angry and they're very unpredictable, you kind of walk on eggshells, I, regardless of whether it's your mother, your father, a friend or whoever, when you're in an abusive relationship or you have an abusive relationship with someone, you become to be very uh, hesitant about making choices around them. And that was definitely the case in my situation. I can even recall sometimes uh, some of the situations that I went through or in this particular moment, uh, I was in the kitchen. I can't recall what was going on or what was said to my mom or if I said something wrong or maybe I just didn't clean something, but my mom charged at me with a butcher's knife. And when I say I thought she was going to shank me, I really thought that she was going to shank me. And I stood there. I was flinched. I was balled all up. And um, I I was just kind of scared because I'm thinking, okay, this is this is it, this is it for me. Like this is gonna be the day that she she gonna actually kill me. It was times when my mom just was angry at me and would tell me to get out. 
It was times when she called, she just pretty much told me, you know what, you're sleeping on the porch. And it was cold. It was cold outside. And I would be outside, a kid in elementary school, balled up on the porch, trying to go to sleep. I also spent many days running away, running away from ass whippings. Just, I'm just keeping it real out there. I just, I, anytime my mother would get mad, I would just bolt out the door and I would just run. Um, I would just run to my relative's house to try to, um, I wanted somebody to protect me. I wanted somebody to, to ask the question of, you know what, what's going on in that household? Why does that boy keep running away? Like he keeps running over here. He's crying. He's, he's something's not going right. But to my family, it, they never asked those questions. They never got involved. Uh, we all lived very close together. So it wasn't like I was running miles and miles away. It was pretty, pretty much less than a mile away. Um, I don't hold any resentment towards my family because I do feel like they don't, know exactly the extent of what was going on under our roof. So um, I believe that my mom did control the narrative and that she was able to cover up some of the things that she um, was doing to me. Well, I do want to let people know that, you know, being a runaway is a very dangerous, it can be a very dangerous thing to do. Some runaways, you know, they don't have the best outcome. They don't wind up in some, you know, loving family and and their life takes off and they live happily ever after most of them uh become exposed to harsh living conditions they end up on drugs they become affiliated with gangs they become victims of sex trafficking and pretty much as i stated before as soon as i seen my mother become frustrated or angry i would just take off just take off running i didn't care where i was going i would just run sometimes i had absolutely no clue i would just bolt off just going up the road but eventually, as you know, I well, as you don't know, but eventually, like some runaways, maybe you do know, you have to come back home because there's nobody there. You don't have nobody to actually take you in. You don't have no, you know, you don't, you're maybe far away from foster care. You may be too young to go to a homeless shelter. So you have to deal with those things. And the only outcome or the only thing you pretty much have to do or, or option you have is to just go back home and face the abuse. When I went to school, I was able to let my guard down a little bit. I was happy to be around other children. I loved being in a friendly environment. And sometimes that caused me to be hyperactive. And I didn't know how to control my behavior when I was in school. All I wanted to do was have fun, be around kids that were like me and pretty much get away from the idea of going home or, or the idea of being beat by my mom. So it caused a lot of times for me to get in trouble, which didn't work for me because, you know, if you act up at home, you come home, you're going to get in trouble. You act up at home, you're going to get in trouble. So it was sort of a, a stuck in between a rock and a hard place. Now, don't get me wrong. I could, um, I could play in my room when I got home, but I wasn't allowed to, to be very active. I couldn't act out and, you know, laugh and make a lot of different noises and carry on because eventually my mother would start screaming. She would start cussing. And eventually for me, that meant that my ass was going to get whooped. And I was afraid and I was, you know, nervous about doing all that. So most of the time I stayed in my room and I just played very quietly, trying my best not to make a sound. 
I can recall and tell you a time about when I was in third grade and I um, got suspended off the bus and my mom made me walk to school. And when she made me walk to school, it was pretty much I would take off and I would start walking up the street and I get probably about a quarter of a mile. And then she would just zoom past me in the car and she would pump the brakes and then I would have to catch up and she'd be yelling and cussing at me and I have to hurry up and catch up. Then she would jump back in the car and she would just pretty much just take off again all the way up until I got to school. When I got to school, the bell had already wrong. School had already started. And I remember going into the classroom and the bus actually passed me. So some of the kids in my class actually rode my bus. So they knew that I was walking to school. And for me, that was a humiliating moment. I do acknowledge the fact that I had gotten in trouble. And I do understand that there are consequences for your actions. But I don't feel like any child out there to be humiliated. I often look on social media and I see kids, you know, young men out here, young young boys that are getting in trouble at school. Their parents are pretty much giving them the, the receding hairline haircuts and sending them to school. I've seen moms show up to school with their ashy feet and the bonnets on, holding their kids' head. Some got on clown makeup. I've seen kids um, in videos of them standing on the side of the road holding up signs. I misbehaved in class. Bleep the horn. If you see this message, stuff like that. And I can say from firsthand experience, I'm a person who dealt with being humiliated as an early uh, at an early age. And I can definitely tell you that your child will remember that moment for the rest of their life. They may not remember the incident or what caused them to get in trouble, but that definitely will stick with them. And that humiliation will follow them for a very long time. So I would I really want to reach out and share if any parents are out there and they're handling their child like that, I know you raise your child how you want to, but I'm telling you firsthand, please stop because it's definitely not worth causing your child to experience a traumatic event due to misbehaving. I do want to say that children make mistakes and I feel like we all make mistakes and mistakes define who we are. I feel like your children will constantly make mistakes and I feel like it's okay. It's okay to discipline your child, but you need to be tactful in how you handle your child and definitely communicate with them and explain to them why it isn't a good idea for them to make the choices they make. Just not beat them because beating them, yeah, they understand that they get beat, but think about how many times that you whip your child. So if you whip your child one time, you would expect for them to not do situations. But how many times have you recalled a situation where your child has done something over and over again and you spank them for the same thing over and over and again? Is it really effective? Does it really work? That's up for you to decide. But I do want to let you know um, that I feel like it's many different methods. And I think one of the biggest methods is uh, communication. If you're going to discipline your child and you're going to spank them, please communicate to them why you're spank why. You are spanking them. Please communicate to them the the effects of the choices that they make, not just pull out the belt and go to swinging. There was a situation when I was um, still young, probably about in the uh, third grade, probably third or fourth grade. As I told you all before, like we didn't have running water in our house. So uh, my chore was to, you know, take those jugs up to the well, bring them back. So on this particular night, I had to wash the dishes. We didn't have any water. 
I was stuck in between, once again, stuck in between a rock and a hard place and being and fearing getting my ass whooped. And I knew that if I left the house and it was dark and I went to get water, if my mom woke up and she seen me not in the house, then I knew that could lead to me getting beat. I knew that if she woke up in the morning time and we didn't have water, we didn't have water. I didn't wash the dishes there. You know, we can't take a wash up or whatever. I knew that would result in getting a beating. But when you're afraid, you can't approach your parent. You can't share what's going on inside you, what you're dealing with, because all you are thinking about and obsessed about and afraid about is getting beat. So it comes a time when you don't know what to do. You're afraid to communicate. You're, you're afraid to take action. And for me in that moment, I decided, okay, I'm just going to go to sleep. So when I went to sleep, my mom, the next morning when we woke up, my mom was in one of her moods and she pretty much went off yelling, cursing, calling me names. And her favorite words were, you know, I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> like it was just plain and simple and it's not a laughing matter. But I try to keep this kind of light because it is a very sad story and a very real story. So um, my mom went outside and she she went and she broke a switch because we lived in the country and it's just trees everywhere. So she went out there and broke a switch. And this isn't your typical switch because I've seen, you know, my cousins get, you know, whipped with a switch. And usually the switch is probably no, you know, bigger than like your your forearm to the tip of your fingers or whatever. But my mom would come back in the house with like a three, four foot branch sometimes braided up sometimes just 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 the leaves off it and she just would swing and she would just hit me until it broke all the pieces it wasn't one of those situations where she would stop and you know maybe she would get tired she didn't get tired she stayed on it until whatever she had in her hand broke all the pieces and then she went back outside she got another switch about the same size and she beat me beat me with that one until it broke all the pieces and then she went back in the kitchen and she got a wooden straw broom and she beat me with a straw broom. And so that broke all to pieces. And at some point while I was getting beat, I blacked out. And when I came back to, she was still beating me. I remember being afraid. She pretty much left out the room, went back into her bedroom, still hollering, still cussing. And, um, I remember for me, I knew what the things that I would get in trouble for or the things that I knew would really result in me to getting beat. So I looked down at the floor. So I was standing there butt naked, looked down at the floor and I just went crazy, just picking up all the, all the loose ends, all the branches, trying to get them out the floor before she came back in and saw, you know, the, the room being a mess. And that ended up, you know, me causing to get beat again. So I was so, I was still so afraid that I wouldn't even leave the room. I had a box fan in my window and I pretty much just, just grabbed all the twigs and stuff and threw everything out the window just as quick as I could. And she came, my mom, the house we lived in because it was so old and my mom was like a heavy, heavy set woman when she, you could tell when she was heading your way because the footsteps, the footsteps were heavy and they were like big thumps. So as she was starting to come in my room, I knew when she was starting to come charge towards me because you could, you could hear her on her way. So she would take, um, she took my clothes and she threw them at me and told me, you better hurry up. If you miss the bus, I'm going to beat you again. So I threw on my clothes and I was running to the bus stop. And the bus stop is, it's not that far. It takes about two to three minutes to get to the end of the dirt road. 
And I just remember standing there and I was just looking at my body and I was just covered in, you know, just just marks from where the switch just hit me and just kind of welted up on me and like the blood from where the switch kind of opened me in some areas. And um, I happened to there where I caught the bus. It's like a very old. It's like a very old store that's like been there probably since like the 40s or 30s or something like that. I would always sometimes when I would be at the bus stop, I would kind of look in the mirror or something or I'd be playing around and I can see my reflection. And I happened to look in the mirror and I seen that my forehead was bust wide open and I had like the, a knot the size of like a, a golf ball just just bleeding. And like, I don't know, it probably was like pus or something coming out of it. And um, I kind of just I looked at myself and I just kind of broke down and I was crying and I was trying to pull myself together because I didn't want I was trying to hide from everybody. I was trying to hide from my friends, everybody that was on the bus, my bus driver, what was going on, which was often. I would pretend that nothing was going on and um, everything was fine in the household. But um, when the bus driver pulled up and I got on the bus, I remember my bus driver just looking. She kind of had that like, oh, hell no, look on her face. And I, um, I saw the rest of the kids. The kids started to you know, cry and start screaming and stuff like that. And that made me cry and start screaming and carrying on because I just, I had experienced that. So when I got to school, as soon as we pulled up to the school, the staff, faculty, they were already standing outside of the school. They pulled me off the bus. They brought me in the office and they began to question me over and over and over again, asking me, what happened? And um, I started to explain the situation, and it seemed like the more I explained it, the more they asked questions. And I recall this lady coming in, and she was asking me a lot of questions, and she had on, like, a business suit. And um, she asked me to take everything off except for my underwear, and she began to take pictures. The lady that was pretty much taking the pictures of me was a representative from Child Protective Services, I was able to go ahead and get dressed and she told my mom that they would have to uh, take us to, I believe what it was, was um, social services. So the police officer actually was in one car. They had a police officer and car behind us and they had one in front of us. And then it was, they pretty much like escorted us up to um, the building where um, when we, when I got inside, the uh, the lady still was asking pretty much the same questions all over again. Like they just kept asking the same thing over and over again, and I kept explaining it. And my mom just kept saying, "Oh, you're telling lies. You're lying, lying. It didn't happen." And I was confused. I was very confused because I was thinking to myself, I didn't understand. I didn't understand why she was saying I was lying and why when I answered the lady's questions that my mom would lie and it even got to the point to my mom broke down and started crying and was like I can't believe you telling lies on me and it it hurt me I just was thinking to myself well this is the first time I've ever seen my mom cry so you know I was questioning my own sanity and thinking did she actually do this to me or what was actually going on I remember my grandma coming up to uh, my grandma ended up taking custody of me. And when I moved in with my grandma, things finally seemed normal. I finally 
lived a, a regular childhood. I was able to go outside and play, and I didn't have a uh, 101 chores to do. All I had to do was wake up in the morning, make my bed, and that was it. Um, during that time, my cousin lived with my grandma. We we're the same age, and she pretty much taught me um, how to be how to be a happy, happy child, to be honest. I mean, she taught me um, how to use my imagination. She introduced me to so many different board games and and so many uh, TV shows, child TV shows and movies and, you know, all different kind of things that, you know, your normal kids would want to do. So I finally started to to feel secure and feel at peace and I didn't have to walk around, you know, on eggshells. And I even got involved in after school programs. I started um, being in, you know, different talent shows and find out that, you know, I could, I had a singing voice and, you know, just so many different, so many different things I started to learn about myself. And I, I took interest in uh, the environment and all those good things. And a year passed by, a year and a half passed by. And I remember my grandma sitting me down. My grandma told me the worst news ever. She told me, you're going back to your mom's house. Your mom can now have custody of you again. And I thought this time, at the, at the moment that she told me, my heart sink and my world kind of crashed because I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm going back into a situation where that was awful. Just going to call it the way it is. It was an awful situation. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back there. I thought that this was that living with my grandma was my new life. And I didn't understand now as an adult, I don't understand if you hated me so much and you treated me the way you treated me, why fight to get me back? Why not just leave me where I am? Leave me where I'm happy, where I have a good family structure, a good relationship, where I'm learning and growing and and becoming familiar with myself and, and my feelings and the things that I like and dislike. Why do you want to take that back and have me pull back into a situation? And indeed, when I went back to my mom's house, the exact same thing started happening again. Only this time, she was very uh, careful about hitting me. She was very she was she was cautious, but at the same time, she was still just as uh, savage and reckless when it came to um, to discipline me. And um, I remember still running away. None none of that stopped. I still ran away. Um, I was able somehow, I don't know if my grandma talked to my mom, but I actually was able to still stay in the after school programs that I was in. And um, the only difference is I would spend day after day after day after school participating in different uh, programs, rehearsing for school plays. And when it came time for the night of the show, or if it happened in the day, she wouldn't take me. And that was something else that I didn't understand. You allowed me to go to each show. You allowed me not to go to each show, but you allowed me to go to each practice day after day after day, preparing for a moment. And then when it is time for me to perform, you refuse to take me. And it constantly happened over and over again throughout my entire childhood, from elementary school all the way to high school. I remember being... In the fifth grade, one morning, 
I want to be careful how I tell this because I am trying to, it's crazy because I'm still protecting people who don't need to be protected, but I do want to share my story. Um, I, and I do want to let y'all know, I do have respect for my mom and I don't want to be exposing parts of her own personal life. Um, but in this particular case, it does deal with me. So I am going to share it. One morning, me and my sister was getting ready for school and my mom's boyfriend spent the night. So my mom's sister, not my mom's sister, my sister's dad came over to visit my sister. So I don't know what happened. I don't remember. I don't know if my mom's boyfriend and my mom's baby daddy had an argument or had words, but one led one thing led to another and they started fighting. So me and my sister was getting ready and all we hearing is just thuds and, and, and just sound like somebody's just crashing into the walls and stuff. And, um, all of a sudden they bolted, just bolted around, um, around the, around the door. And my mom's boyfriend was covered in blood and my sister's dad had his knife just cutting him everywhere he could cut him just everywhere and me and my sister we screamed and we ran out the house and once again went back to the bus stop trying to dry our tears trying to get ourselves together trying to pretend that everything is all right so we couldn't at that time we couldn't keep it together because that was just a whole that was a whole nother whole nother level to what we had been dealing with and um we pretty much got on the bus crying, cried all the way to school, got to school. The principal, once again, was there waiting for me and my sister or, you know, me to get off the bus and asking us what's going on. We pretty much tell them what's going on. They contact my mom, have her come up to the school to pick us up. My sister has blood on her. Um, we go back. My mom dropped us off at my grandma's house and um, we pretty much stayed at my grandma's house until... My mom got off of work. Now, mind you, as I told y'all before, we all live very close to one another. So guess what my mom did? My, when my mom got off, my mom and my sister stayed at my grandma, and my mom made me go home and clean up the mess. And when I opened the door, there was blood on the floor, Blood on the kitchen table, bloods on the cabinet, bloods on the wall, just blood everywhere, blood all over the bed, on the sheets, all throughout the house. Me being 11, 12 years old, or however old I was in fifth grade, I had to clean that up. And um, till this day, I've been able to forgive my mom for absolutely everything that she has done for me. But when I think about the situation of how you put me in a situation to clean up your mess, it sets my soul on fire because I can't understand why you would have me do that. I don't know why you would force me to clean up your mess. And I don't know if I'll ever get past it. I don't ever think about it. And I'm sharing this, all the stuff that I'm telling y'all, nobody knows people that look at me have their own perception of me, which is not, which doesn't matter to me at all, but they don't know this stuff. And I've never shared this with anybody, but, um, 
I usually just how I deal with with that situation. I just don't think about it, but it definitely triggered um, some mixed emotions um, with me having to go ahead and put this out. And um, I'm just going to hopefully, which is why I kind of really, to be honest, I'm glad that I'm able to get this story out. And it's been uh, definitely a hassle going back and forth, Um, just having the, the strength to get through it and to be able to be able to share it with somebody is really um, important for me because I know that there are kids out there or adults that have probably uh, witnessed some type of domestic violence um, at some point or may have witnessed domestic violence when it came to their parents. I went on to um, live with one of, with a great aunt of mine, and um, I felt good. I felt at peace again, just like when I was, when I was staying with my grandma, because I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to worry about getting beat and stuff. I get, I just kept running away. And eventually I think family members were starting to, you know, realize like, okay, he's starting to run away. I'll take him here. I'll take him there. I think once CPS had got involved, it kind of shed light on what was actually going on a little bit. And, um, when I lived with my great aunt, she pretty much spoiled me rotten. Anything I wanted, she bought it. Um, any toy I wanted, she spoiled me so much to the point to where she would cook dinner and then she would cook my dinner separate. When she went grocery shopping, she would have the grocery list for the house and then I would have my own grocery list. Like, that's how much she spoiled me. She gave me absolutely, she never said no to anything. And I think she was uh, probably trying to compensate um, or trying to, you know, she felt sorry for me and she was trying to make up for some of the, uh, things that I went through, you know, when I was living with my mom. And, you know, the crazy part to that is that I was in middle school when I lived with her and she eventually got sick and she was able, she wasn't able to, um, she wasn't able to live on her own anymore. And I wasn't enough. I wasn't old enough to kind of give her the care that she needed. And my mom even blamed me for that. She told me I was sorry, I was worthless, and that I was lazy and I could have helped her and did more. And I just thought to myself, I didn't know what to do. And I kind of felt like it was my fault that she got sick. And um, I didn't know how to deal with that. But I know now that I'm older, it wasn't my fault. That was just um, the type of verbal abuse that came from my mom and, and her way of you know, kind of just jabbing me like she typically did. And when I decided, when I was, when I went on to go to high school and stuff, um, I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice in regards to what I wanted to do with my life. My mom pretty much told me, like, you go into the military. And I felt like she wanted me to go to the military, not because it was a great opportunity, but it was an opportunity to get me out of her sight, to get me as far as away from her as possible. But in reality, it turned out to be one of the best and greatest experience that I ever had in life and taught me so much about myself. And um, I traveled so much and um, went buck wild. I ain't gonna lie. I went buck wild because I was a little country boy and who, who didn't know nothing but just woods. 
So when I got out, I really went crazy and did absolutely everything I wanted to do. And while I was in AIT, um, actually I wasn't in AIT, but my mom, our relationship started to get better because I felt like, wow, my mom is proud of me. She's calling, she's checking up on me. And I even went as far as she had joint bank account. <laughs> I even shared a joint bank account with her. And I knew from growing up, we were poor. We didn't have anything. And now that I was in a position to um, provide, I always wanted my sister to have the things that I didn't have. So I bought my sister Jordans. I bought her a cell phone. I made sure she stayed and rocking the latest everything because when I was going to school, I didn't have it. And I remember the kids picked on me. It was times I didn't have a haircut. My mom didn't even bother to take me to a barbershop to get a haircut. Um, So I wanted my sister to have an experience that was different from mine. And I remember going to my first duty station and I was stationed in Texas and I called my grandma back. It was mother's day. And I called my grandma back and I was just talking to her and I was telling her, Hey, how you doing? Like, um, you know, just catching up with her and stuff. And I asked her about my great aunt who raised me. And she said, my grandma was one of them grandmas that, that was funny. She was, she was old, but she talked like young kids. Like she would say she was reckless at the mouth and she kept it all the way real and she didn't sugarcoat stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I loved her um, to death because it was just like she, um, it was you. It was like having a grandma, but it was like having a friend too. That just you know, she just was gonna tell it the way it was. And she told me, I said, "Well, hey, how's my great aunt doing?" You know, her name was Aunt Lillian. I said, "Well, hey, how's Aunt Lillian doing?" And she was like, "What? What are you talking about? Nobody told you." And I was like, "What you mean? Nobody told me? What do you What do you mean?" She was like, "She's been dead for five months." And I was pretty much shocked. I dropped my cell phone and I just was, um. I couldn't believe what she was saying. And she just kept saying, hello, hello, hello. And it was like, I couldn't grasp it because I felt like <clears throat> I speak to my mom every other day back then when I was um, stationed in Fort Hood, I spoke to her every day and I asked her many times how this woman was doing. What was she up to? And she fed me lie after lie, knowing that someone important to me was gone and she didn't even bother to tell me so the relationship i have with my mother today is very superficial but i'd rather have some type of relationship with her than to have no relationship with her at all and i will admit at times i do have some type of or feel some type of small uh resentment towards her but i think that's only natural i find security knowing that i spent a lot of time pursuing a healthy relationship with her and I feel like regardless of whether you're in a relationship with someone or you're dealing with relationship with family, um, you always strive to maintain a healthy balance. And I feel that knowing, knowing who you are as a person and knowing yourself is the key to healing. I would say you would have to, for me, I would have to find, for me, it took me to pretty much Say, okay, I know where I stand within this relationship. And I was happy that I recognized that. And I know I tried to talk with that person and they're not able to express themselves or they may not be able to just uh, 
ready to deal with the situation. And I pretty much leave it at that because um, as y'all know, you can't force anyone to do anything or, or force any type of reaction. You can provoke people. But I mean, if you're trying to heal, you don't want to provoke anyone because that won't help the situation at all. I will say that um, I have respect for my mom, even though I know some of y'all going to listen to this and probably think, like, dang, like, she's probably, like, this evil woman or this worst person you've ever heard of because I have mentioned this story to one or two friends, and they um, definitely expressed themselves about how they felt about the situation. Um, but I respect her, and I feel that mothers do the best that they can, regardless of whether it's a stupid decision or um, something that someone may not agree with. I think that they all do the best they can they all have instincts that kick in and even if it's not the best i think they are they're trying to do something um and i respect her because even though we grew up how we grew up and we were poor and stuff like that and and didn't have the best my mother never looked for um a handout she never looked for government assistance we were never on like food stamps or welfare section eight like none of that she got out there and she made it happen. She did what she had to do. And I do respect her and thank her for that. Um, because it takes a strong woman to raise kids on her own. And um, yeah, I'll just leave it at, I'll leave it there. So now me being the age I am, I just have the goal of having my own family. And, um, and the trauma that I experienced as a child will always be a reminder of what not to do when I have my own family and, and have kids. Um, and I see uh, the beauty within my story and, and learning and acknowledging my pain and looking forward to the future of building my own family. And that's how I see it. Thanks for listening.